0: Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 420, I'm welcoming back to the show my friend, Allie Worthington.
1: If Wonder Woman raised us, she wouldn't be able to empathize with our pain. Mm. She wouldn't mess up. She wouldn't lose her temper and then have to repair a relationship. She wouldn't make mistakes and help us grow in our grit and our empathy and our understanding of how humans work. We would get out in the world and be completely incapable of dealing with anything. And that's what happens when,
0: as moms, we work so hard to do everything right. Allie Worthington is a longtime friend of mine, and she came on the show back in 2016. I was surprised to realize She hadn't been back since. So it is time for her to share some of her wisdom with y'all. If you haven't heard of Allie, she's a business coach. She's a speaker. She's a podcaster. She's an overcomer. Uh, I remember that my first interaction is when I snuck into her conference she was hosting here in Grapevine. She's also the mom of five grown boys. And today she's going to mentor us on the topic of her newest book called Remaining Us While Raising Them. It releases August 8th. And I really enjoy just the real talk around self-care. What does that actually look like? And how do we drop some of these good mom myths that we've been carrying? She has a magic question habit she's going to share with us to help us see ourselves more clearly. Stick around. That's near the end of the show. Let's get right to it. Always love a good chat with Allie. Here we go. Allie Worthington, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you, I'm thrilled to be here, as always. I was looking at the last time you came and I was super embarrassed because it was 2016. That's no bueno. How could it be that long? I know. No. Either the search engine is a problem on my website and on the Google, or I have talked so much to you on your your podcast that I just assumed it was on mine. (laughs) Uh, So there's my apology. How could it be that long? That's too long to not be talking to you on my show. And people need to know you. So oh. thrilled that this well, we're could making come together. It right. Yeah. <laughs> and just the right <laughs> time because, like I said in the intro, you have this great new book out that I had the pleasure of getting an early copy of. Um, I don't do a lot of endorsements anymore. I don't know about you. But I'm kind of – I'm they pickier. Here. And – when you asked, I said yes cuz you're such a cheer, you're such a cheerleader to me. So thank you for that. And all women, I feel like you don't have a there's a limited amount mindset. What's that called? Aspersity? Sparsity? Oh, scarcity. scarcity. Yeah. Scarcity. Mm-hmm. Sparsity. I made yeah. a whole new word. I like it. It's yours now. <laughs> it's mine. You don't have that yeah. mentality, and so you're super generous. So thank you for that first off. Oh, thank you. And thank you for writing a real real mom book. So Y'all, I know for myself, I don't want to pick up a book that's going to make me feel worse. Right? Yeah. And in your book, you're real, real. And I feel like whoever did your editing made it super mom-friendly, like a pickup, look at it real quick, put it down. Let's repeat it. Here's what I said. And <laughs> at the end of the chapter, <laughs> here's some reflection <laughs> if your brain was distracted while you were reading it the first time. And- I mean, literally, the drawings and everything. I'm just super impressed. So, thank you. There's my little kudos on the book. But I was curious. You're talking about confident motherhood, and I watch you, and yeah. you you do this so well. You know who you are. You prioritize being who you are, and I know your career came out of a place of need, mm-hmm. but I think also just mental health came along, like some help healthy things came with it for um that differentiation from your five boys. But talk to us about a season like when you weren't living confidently or you didn't know what kind of mom superpowers you had and you were trying to hold all of the good mom myths while parenting. Talk to us about that season.
1: I think that's been the majority of my parenting <laughs> okay. career. I mean, I've been a mom for oh, almost 25 years now. There it is. So I think I probably didn't start coming into my own as a mom till I had been a mom for about
0: 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Because I feel like that's true for me too. Why do you think that is when you get 15 years into it or you have a (laughs) 15-year-old?
1: I think for (laughs) me, I became... Because of my work, so as you mentioned, my career came out of my husband losing his job, us filing bankruptcy, being homeless. I I had to figure out how to help the family. But then my career through the years really morphed into one where I became obsessed with helping women thrive, whether it's in their business as a business coach or motherhood or whatever it is that I'm working with and so much of it comes down to emotional health Mm. so i define emotional health by our mental health our spiritual health and the health of our relationships our relational health and so for me for the past really eight to ten years i've been so invested in that with myself and with other people the natural overflow of that became confident motherhood Mm. and so when i realized wait a minute, feeling good as a mom is not about all this stuff we're quote unquote supposed to be doing. It's about who we are. And if we're working on our emotional health, our children will naturally be happier. That was the game changer for me. And I never really wanted to talk about it because as an author... Now, this this isn't true for you, I'm sure, because you've been talking about parenting and motherhood for so long. But as an author, I kind of felt like if I ever talked about my marriage and did a marriage book, I'd instantly get divorced. Or if I did a book about being a mom or motherhood, one of my kids would be in prison. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, totally. I don't want to touch any of that. Totally. And it wasn't until so many people really came to me and said, we really need you to do this, that I went, okay, I'll tag it and I hope it doesn't ruin my life. <laughs> Has it? We're so no, We're still, we're in still it. super.
0: Yeah. We're still superstitious as uh, as authors. Like
1: no, and know, I think crazy. there's like
0: there's a hidden way I learn that wasn't the expected. Hmm. So like with "Don't Mom Alone," it was I was you know I wrote it in the pandemic. I didn't know that was going to happen, yeah. and I had to lean on the people that I said to lean on to everyone else. It wasn't that I lost the people. That was my fear. Oh, if I say "Don't Mom Alone," I'm going to lose everybody. <laughs> And yeah. lose my yeah. friends, lose my spouse, yeah. lose everybody. No, the truth was I had to live out the message. And so there's probably a layer of, oh, I'm going to have to live out these things I'm saying and these implement these habits. And it's probably improved your confidence and motherhood. Oh,
1: 100%. And because so many of my kids are now adults, I can see the results of my investment in myself
0: through the years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are some of those benefits you've seen?
1: Well, I see my older kids doing that themselves. Like, I had a call with one of my boys last night. I can't. I don't want to give out too information. Tell them they are all the same
0: gender. You can just it say is, one of yeah. my boys. Yeah.
1: And he was talking about a conversation that he had with his friend about uh, emotional health, and he was like, you know, how do I? Help him with this, and and that's directly from the work I had done. I never set my kids down and go, "Let's talk about emotional health." But you know, the adage "more is caught than taught." So if we're taking care of ourselves and we're living our lives in a you know semi healthy way, our kids are watching it. Yeah. So the language we use, they're going to take that into into life too. But I had a woman tell me years ago. When I said, how do you keep your children close to you when they're adults? Because my fear is that, you know, do something wrong. And then at 18, they would leave and we don't have a good relationship. And she said, oh, the more you take care of yourself and the more you work on yourself, the better you will become. And those kids will want to be around you. Hmm. But if you don't take care of yourself and you let yourself get a little bit bitter or passive aggressive, you're going to drive them away. And I went, oh. That is not yeah. the response that I thought I was going to get,
0: but it's been a game changer for the way I think of things. Yeah, I've noticed some idolatry that I hold. I don't know if you can resonate with this yeah. idolatry around peace. I want everyone to get along. So with I have four, you know, the four boys, yeah, and five boys. Sometimes it's chaotic, and sometimes they're okay with it, and they just like, oh.
1: Most they of the time, it.
0: they just kind of get they back together and it. they're fine. Mm-hmm. But I get dysregulated and I'm all out of sorts. The other thing I I dial a tra- tie, mm, man, with the words today, maybe more coffee. Is us all being together, and now that you're in this season of having adults and you know kids have jobs or they, ha- you don't have anyone married yet, right? No, not yet, girl. Almost. I'm looking forward know. to it though. Yeah. Well, but the, again, it's this whole like. Sometimes they'll be with the spouse's family and parents. And Mm -hmm. so I think I'm having this little mini crisis of how often I idolize. It's not a good thing unless all of us are there. Did you have to work through that in that season of I got to work on myself, work on where I find my identity worth, and it's not in our family all being happy and together?
1: Yeah, because for me, there's just so many of us. We couldn't do it. Like, for instance, my husband loves to ski. I'm not coordinated. I could hurt myself walking across a room. So he he always would take whichever boy are interested in skiing and go. Uh, me and two of my boys, we call ourselves the fun contingent. We love roller coasters and amusement parks. So like the week before Christmas every year, we go to Disney and Universal. And we would take my husband or other members of the family if they wanted to go. They just don't like it. So we have a blast. Now, next week, I am renting a cabin, and we're all going as a family. Some people are hiking. Some people are going to Dollywood. Some people doing this. Some people doing that. But there will be hours during the day that we're all together. But there's no unhappiness like forced family time. That's excessive that you don't want.
0: You know what I mean? Oh, that, so that I'd hits rather have a me. few hours that are happy. <laughs> that hits. <laughs> that hits. Yes, I have been the one forcing it and everyone's miserable. And yeah. Yeah, it I happens. totally. It happens. It happens. Okay, so part of this book too is, um, you, like you said, working on your mental, emotional, spiritual health. You also mm-hmm. did really good research and got great stats. And I know moms can relate, but can you just share some of those stats, I think, so that a mom doesn't feel alone if she's in that place?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So I sent a survey out to over a thousand women who answered. I mean it went out to more, but over a yeah. thousand women answered in depth. So in depth that some women wrote me and said I had to stop halfway through because I started crying. Oh wow. Like like it it was a good 30 minute survey. And I asked about mom guilt. 96% of women struggle with mom guilt. Over half, almost every day. Oh, my gosh. And this was really surprising. The biggest cause of mom guilt is not ourselves. It's not our spouse. It's not our family. It is social media. Okay. I feel that. Yeah. Because, you know, we are living our lives. Our kids are having a tantrum or our teenagers are mad at each other. or Our grown child is, is stressing us out. And then you open up social media and someone's perfect family is there. And even the dog is smiling. And meanwhile, your dog is throwing up
0: on the carpet. You know what <laughs> I mean? Dog is smiling. It's 100 ridiculous. P, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what we do is we tell ourselves other moms are getting it right, but not me. But the truth is, we know that for most, you know, like average women like us, it's, a, it's just like the best moment. You know, you had to yell at your kids to get them all to smile in that family picture, whatever it was. But we forget that there is a whole business model now around influencers, and I never fault a woman for her business model. But there's a business model for women to have really large audiences and to always look perfect, and their kids look perfect, and they're out doing fun things looking perfect because that is their business model, right? And when we remind ourselves, oh, not only is this someone's highlight reel, this is actually their business model to look perfect. Then we can go. Maybe, maybe I just unfollow these accounts. Mm-hmm.
0: Mute I mean, mute them unless bit. they in, mm-hmm.
1: unless they make you feel good. But the research shows the more that we are on social media and we're following these accounts, and the more we're passively scrolling through, the worse we feel. Like scientists are searching this in a lab, so we really need to be conscientious about it and go. I I want to make sure that I feel better when I'm on social at the end than when I started. For me, I'm following theme parks. I'm following friends. I'm following women like you who, when I see their post, it doesn't make me feel bad. I'll you know what so. I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and the rest I've had to let go of. And lots of lots of zoo content
0: in my feed, But whatever That's makes good. me happy. Well, yeah. and you also put in the book that it's how you engage it. Like you just said, are you passive? Yeah. Are you following friends and you're commenting and you're cheerleading and you're encouraging? Yeah. Like if you haven't left a comment on someone's post in a long time, That's something to evaluate. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a friend who there
1: are feelings of mom guilt triggered because she's growing organic wheat in her backyard and making sandwiches with it every day for lunch. And cutting them in butterfly shapes. Mm Yes. Just mute her for a little while and every once in a while go in and leave a comment. But don't let her keep popping up in your feed if every time you want to throw your phone across the room. Like, that's protecting us. But here's what was really surprising. This won't surprise you. But when I asked women, what was the last motherhood book? This is over a thousand women, motherhood book they read. And if they enjoyed it, most could not name anything on mothering. It was all parenting, just a few mothering, but the parenting books specifically, especially the parenting books that have written been written like over five years ago. I, I won't name the books because that would be really rude. But most of the women said, I stopped halfway through. Or I wish I never read it because it made me feel terrible. And I was like, that's why I got to write this book. Yeah. Because there is a whole industry designed to make women feel bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the key is it comes from a good place. These moms want to be good. Like, yeah. I've rarely met a mom. And I know they exist. I know they do. There are moms who want to be bad moms. I know that. You don't have to DM me. But A majority, the ones listening to this, the ones who do pick up the book and read it halfway, it comes from a pure desire of wanting to be good. Oh, yeah.
1: I have so many questions already from people saying like, what if I give myself some grace and I take care of myself and I become selfish? And Mm -hmm. so I had a bunch of counselors speak into this book. So I wanted to make sure everything I was saying, it's not just opinion, it's, it's also counselors. And I said, what's the answer to that? And everybody laughed. And one moment said, I have never had a narcissist come into my office and go, can you help me with my narcissism? She was like, they just don't do it. (laughs) And she said, women that pick up this book are by default great moms. They're probably doing too much, not enough. And if they give themselves a little grace, that's healthier for them and their child. So you're exactly right. The women that listen to your podcast, the women that read your book, the women that read this book, they're probably... Overperforming as moms, there is no chance. All of a sudden, their entire personality is going to change, and they're going to become bad moms. Bad moms are not listening, and they're definitely not reading these books. You couldn't uh, pay them to,
0: right? And then there's just this yeah. myth over all of this—that black and white thinking of good, bad. Like there's a spectrum in a given day that I'm doing a better job, and I'm not doing my best, and that's well, just being you know, human. You're
1: right, right, you're right. And we we even see it on social media
0: because there's the
1: there's the here's how I'm doing everything perfect, and my family is so ethereal and perfect and amazing. And we're just gonna go hiking all day, right? Uh, or do whatever. But then there's also like the bad wine mom. And so, really, we just need to have healthy conversations for like good old average moms with, you know, with average families, you know, doing a pretty great job, but beating themselves up like they're doing a bad job. Like yeah. that's the conversation we need to have. Yeah.
0: One thing that has helped me remain myself while mothering my boys is to figure out what colors look great on me and my style, and I've done an episode on that in the past. Another great partner to help you do that once you kind of know what looks great on you, maybe you already know, is to connect with Stitch Fix because they have a range of wear now styles in season-ready colors, trends, patterns. They will even connect you with a personal stylist. You take a quiz, you put in your sizes, and they will pop up the perfect pieces for your unique style and fit. What's really, really awesome is they send those pieces to you at home so you can try them on before you buy them. You just keep what you love. You send back the rest, free shipping, returns, exchanges. I also love that because I've already filled out the quiz, I already know what I've bought in the past. There is almost like a curated little store for me. So if I'm searching for jeans or a sweater or a dress, I can go on, type those things in, and it pops up different options for me specifically, in my size. They have sizes extra small to 3XL. You will find your perfect fit. There's also no subscription required. This isn't like you have to get a fix every month. You just simply order a refresh when you need it or set it and forget it with regular seasonal fixes. But you're in control. So if you're heading back to school and you need some refresh in your wardrobe, try Stitch Fix today at stitchfix.com slash D-M-A. You're going to get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash D-M-A for 25% off today. Stitchfix.com forward slash D-M-A. So you tackle several good mom myths really well. Yeah. And things that I have, you know, wrestled with myself, like anger, anger about the my kids' behavior, about obedience, protecting your kids so much that they never go through any pain and that you can do it all. What are some of the ones that are your favorites to talk about or that you haven't talked about on? No other podcasts have asked you. So if other people have talked to you about it, we can have no, our own. No, only for you. Only, only for the Dumb for you. Mom Alone community gets to
1: <laughs> I think the most surprising one for women is that If we did everything perfect, we would screw our kids up Yeah, because we believe the myth that good moms do everything right. But I I use the example of Wonder Woman. I love movies. I love Wonder Woman. She's fabulous. If Wonder Woman raised us, she wouldn't be able to empathize with our pain. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't mess up. She wouldn't lose her temper and then have to repair a relationship. She wouldn't make mistakes and help us grow in our grit and our empathy and our understanding of how humans work. We would get out in the world and be completely incapable of dealing with anything. Yeah. And that's what happens when, as moms, we work so hard to do everything right. We don't give our children the chance to grow a little bit stronger. I think about you know the first time we have to make our kids suffer and it's miserable is tummy time. You know, where they they bang their faces on the ground. They cry. We (laughs) cry. It is terrible. I hated it all five times. But if we don't force them to get a little bit stronger, they're going to end up just blobs uh, and they can't ever sit up. They can't ever roll. They can't do anything. Flatheads. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we have to kind of remember that same thing all throughout life. Like we need to sometimes disappoint our children because we're human. Then we can show them what it looks like. To ask forgiveness and to repair relationships. We need to not be making their lunch in the morning before they go to school because we need to strengthen them to strengthen those personal responsibility muscles. We need to not do everything for them because if we do, we actually end up hurting them. Well, I have a quote in the book from the former head of the College Counselors Association. And he was talking about this past generation of students are so anxiety filled. And non-functional when they get to school because they've never had to do anything. And yeah. everything's been done for them. So what we do out of love, we're doing everything for our kids when they're little, step by step, year by year, we have to let them get a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And and that feels scary. And our mom guilt comes in and goes, You're not being the perfect mom. You're not being a good mom because you've disappointed your kid. Well, Disappointment's like a vitamin. We all need a little bit of it so we can get used to it and get stronger. It's just like tummy time when they're babies.
0: Yeah. that's really good. Yeah. That helps me with a situation last night where I was sound asleep and awakened by a child who wanted me to get him a blanket. Oh, how old is this child? Almost 14.
1: (laughs) Send that kid to my house.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. And I'm very mad slammed the door that I wouldn't take care of that. So I, I'm just, yes, I did not feel mom guilt. I felt like, man, this is personal responsibility that needed to be, I mean, just like things that need to be owned. Like your yeah. happiness, your contentment, you can do a little bit of digging, you can figure out where things are kept around the house, you could help, you know what I'm saying. I have definitely grown in that because I do think as you get these teenagers and you're seeing them have their first jobs or they're going out, you're like, I can't go with them. So (laughs) if I haven't built these things in them by letting them fail, by stubbing their toe on something, they aren't going to be problem solvers. I just sent one off to Bulgaria yesterday (gasps) and one is leaving all by himself to Poland today. I'm telling you what. Well- that wouldn't have happened, Heather, ten years ago. Heather, ten years ago, wouldn't have let some other friend drive him in their car. You know what I mean? Maybe, oh, maybe fifteen years. I,
1: you know what I mean? I sent my oldest first. to preschool because I was sure he was going to get ruined at preschool, and
0: he was better off with me. No, <laughs> oh, I, I get it totally, totally. Yeah. It's a little terrifying. The A little bit of release, like oh, they're going to be in someone else's car in a different car seat. Yeah, that was a big that was a big thing back then. Okay, any Same. other myth you want to hit?
1: Yeah, I think the myth that good moms don't get angry. Yeah. That one That's I wrestled a, a lot one. with. Yeah. Yeah, talk yeah, uh, talk I mean, about that. Well, God gave us anger for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like he mad isn't bad, but we mm-hmm. have been trained especially as Christian women, don't ever be angry. We don't want to let it. We don't want to sin in our anger. But anger is a natural healthy feeling. There's yeah. there's nothing wrong with anger. And when we beat ourselves up Every time we're angry and we stuff it down, we end up kind of sowing bitterness in our hearts because that feeling, that emotion is going to go somewhere, right? I remember when I was eight, my Aunt Shirley going over to her house, extended family Christmas, and she had cooked for three days. And I knew she cooked for three days because she told everybody she cooked for three days. And I didn't have the life experience to understand what was going on. But I knew she wasn't happy, even though she had a smile and she acted happy. But I knew something was going on. And I remember just not liking that experience at all and Mm -hmm. not liking the family get together. And I found out after she passed, she didn't feel like she had permission to raise her hand with her family and go, hey, I don't actually want to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. why doesn't everybody bring a dish? Or let's Mm -hmm. switch off houses. Mm -hmm. So she ended up over the years getting really bitter about it. So she was doing something. Her heart was pure in in the sense that she wanted to love her family and bring them in. But she thought that that was her only role. She never took care of herself in it and accidentally was bitter about it, but also kind of ruined the experience for the other people there too. And I kind of see that as a microcosm for moms where we're doing stuff because we're loving, but because we aren't raising our hand and going, wait a minute, I have a need here too let's have a boundary. Let's see how we can make this work for everybody. We're kind of shriveling on the vine. And then instead of expressing when we're angry about small things with good reason, because everybody gets angry, it's a natural human emotion. Then we erupt with anger later on, or we turn that anger in on ourselves and it causes us to be depressed. Yeah. So just going... It's okay when I feel angry, but I don't need to sin or be hurtful in that anger. And sometimes when we've pushed it down so long that we've never let ourselves express it, that's when we erupt and and that's when it can be dangerous. Mm. But being angry as a mom, I mean, we're going to be angry a lot. And it's okay to show anger, especially when your kids are younger. They're like Navy SEALs at torturing us. Like well, like they're experts.
0: Yeah. yeah. And mine was, I had to get curious. You talk about getting curious about your anger and asking questions about it. Yeah. Mine was rooted in fear a lot. Mm. Because I yeah, like growing sense. up, I hadn't been an angry kid, but I was a fearful child. And when you have that many little boys and they're all going all different directions, I had fears of them getting harmed. I got had fears of other people's opinions, I had fears yeah. of just messing up. And so all of that would come out. And I also had a lie of weakness, like that I wasn't capable of of controlling, quote, I'm using quotes, controlling the situation. And so anger is this energizing emotion and it would like yeah. give me the power I didn't believe I had. And so it was this false sense of control using anger, which only disconnects you from your, it doesn't, it may get you what you want in a moment, but it doesn't actually connect your kids because you haven't gotten to the root of what's actually going on. Why did I need to control? Why did I think that I didn't have the power to control in a calm way? (laughs) Like, yeah, but doing that work over time, again, it's not perfect. It's very imperfect. It's very messy. Do I wish I could go back and do it differently? 100P, but I would be a different person. Like, oh, yeah getting curious about it, doing the work, why am I responding this way in my motherhood is so yeah. much a part of what you were saying with the emotional health journey.
1: That's so smart. And the thing that I realized that would happen, especially when all my kids were little, they would pester, they would pester, they would pester. And I'd be like, it's okay. And I would keep giving in and you know, getting their way until finally I exploded in anger. And there's one thing I teach in the book called The Magic Question Habit, and that's to ask ourselves every day, what do I need right now? Hmm. Sometimes I just need to take a shower. Sometimes I need to use the bathroom without little fingers coming under the door. Sometimes I need to get together with friends, whatever it is. It's the process of recognizing when we have a need and honoring that need. And so when we get in the practice of that, of caring for ourselves like we care for our children, when our children... Are bothering and pestering, and you know what they do? They're throwing toys at your head, or yeah, the bad thing, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And we can be sweet and let them run all over us until we explode, or we. What do I need right now? I need to get control of these children and put up a boundary and let them know how it's going to be before I end up exploding. So when we're doing the work and we can care for ourselves in advance, we don't have to let it get to that point
0: anymore. Yeah. That's really good. When we do our small group time and we share our feelings after we share our feelings and why we're feeling that way, the group will ask, what do you need right now? And it's a great practice because you often like, one, a lot of moms aren't feeling their feeling. Two, really knowing what they need, that takes time. That takes practice and grace for yourself in that you may not know right away. You may be like, whoa, yeah. my needs. <laughs> Forgot about my needs. I know. five <laughs> years ago. So yeah, that's a really yeah. is a good habit. I think one part of mothering that I always have a hard time with is holding my ideals and also wanting my freedom. And so there are a few things that help me do that. But one thing that helps me, especially this time of year as summer is winding down here in Texas, but the heat is still hot and I'm just, I want to have family dinners. That's a value I have, but I don't want to plan and I just get tired of going and buying all the things. And so I am thankful for HelloFresh. I am reinstating my subscription as we head into the school year. And what makes it so great for me is one, the produce is super fresh. Seven days from the farm to our door. Secondly, I love that it comes each meal in its own brown bag with all the pre-portioned ingredients. So there's not a lot of food waste, uh, especially with four boys. We don't have a lot of waste around here. And Their ingredients, the instructions um, come on a card and it has a picture so I can show the boys, hey, this is what's for dinner when they come in the kitchen and ask me. Anyone in our family really could make the meal, my younger boys, with some help because they take you step-by-step on the recipe card. Uh, I also am just thankful they have fast and fresh options. There are 40 different recipes to choose from every week so I can go in. I know which meals are more popular with my boys and which aren't. Uh, I know what kinds of things they like and don't like. And if a majority loves it, that's a win for me. So if you have never tried out HelloFresh, this may be the perfect time. Go to hellofresh.com slash DMA5050. Use that code DMA50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. Go to hellofresh.com slash DMA50. Put in the numbers, five, zero. Use that code DMA50 and you will get 50% off plus free shipping. You'll find out why I believe HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Our family has always been big sound machine fans, but I will tell you, I wish that when my boys were younger, we had a Hatch Rest because they would wake up too early. They had a hard time transitioning to sleep. The Hatch Rest is an innovative all-in-one sleep device designed just for kids to grow with them. It is both a sound machine and a nightlight. During the newborn stage, Hatch helps make for a soothing, comfortable sleep environment with continuous sounds like white noise, wind, rain, and lullabies. But as your child grows, it allows toddlers and bigger kids, like my 11 and 14-year-old use it, to build sleep independence with customized color and sound cues. So there's the time for bed pairing alert that lets them know it's time to wind down for the night. So you can pick a color light and a sound for that. What I love for the age boys I have in the morning, there's a special time to rise signal that we use during the school year that helps teach them when it's okay to get out of bed for the day. For mine, it's to <laughs> wake them up. It's little birds chirping and a green light turns on. And it's just kind of a nice, like their body kind of knows it's time to wake up. But if you need kids to stay in bed, they would wait until that light turns green and the sound changes. The rest has helped over 3 million babies and parents get restful sleep. And it is no wonder that is consistently a top baby registry item. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners up to 15% off for your purchase of a Hatch rest and free shipping at Hatch.co. Forward slash DMA. So if you're ready for improved sleep for your kids and yourself, go to hatch.co forward slash DMA to get up to 15% off and free shipping. That's hatch.co forward slash DMA. And now napping on the go is simple with Hatch's new portable kids sound machine. It's called Rest Go. It's available in five dreamy colors with a battery that lasts all day. We took ours to a friend's lake house for the boys to use at night and also on our family vacation. It was nice, convenient size. Uh, It's about two to three inches um, circular. It can hang on anything. It could hang on your stroller. Check it out today. What are some other good habits for confident motherhood? Because I know like, it seems you have to be 15 years into motherhood to finally be confident. And honestly, I feel like (laughs) <laughs> maybe i'd be confident about parenting your three-year-old but i'm not confident about parenting my teens right now i like no clue would be the top phrase for how i feel as my mothering teens but
1: well I, I mean, let me let me get habits. into that yeah mm-hmm. i i don't think i don't think anyone feels confident in all the details of what's going on in their child's life all the time yeah
0: and how to respond, but
1: Yeah, but we can feel confident that God gave us our children for a reason. He's not in heaven going, Can you believe that these parents are completely messing their children up? I had such great plans for that kid's life. Yeah. And now it's all ruined. Totally. And when we remember, and you teach this too, when we remember that God knit them together in the womb and has a plan for their lives, we can't actually ruin it. So we can put boundaries up, we can give discipline. But really, we just want to love and live with them and make sure, you know, they don't break their arm every day. And in general, kids are going to be just fine. Because if you, if you look at the research, this is why knowing the research is so important, of the things that matter in childhood and don't matter, especially in the first year, they've studied thousands of kids over decades. Most of it really doesn't matter. What matters is the character you build in children and the emotional tone of how a mother is with her kids. So what you're feeding them, long term, it doesn't really matter unless you're only feeding them hot dogs, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 10 years. You know what I mean? God made vitamins for a reason. So I think we we tend to overthink all of the little parenting things. And we also read books and listen to podcasts. And people are telling us, this is the one way to do it, or you'll screw up your kids forever. Like I said, a whole industry with good intentions, but the result of that industry is making us feel like Everything we do is the be-all, end-all. And especially in Christian communities, sometimes we forget that God is God for our children and we aren't. And just because we lose our temper or just because we do this or just because we do that, our kids are going to be ruined forever. And it's just not the way it works. We're not that powerful. We're not meant to be that powerful. So one of the other habits that we go into is just this principle of 1% better. It's mm. from a researcher at a, a large university. I can't remember the university right now. And James Clear talked about this in his book, Atomic Habits, mm. how when we want to change things, whether we want to get healthier or we want to change habits in the family or anything in the family, we don't need to make a big change. We need to think of things as every day, how can I get 1% better, 1% kinder to myself, 1% more of a little boundary that I'm going to set with my kids, You know, 1% of a, a, a new habit that I want to I want to do at the end of the year, if we get 1% better every day, we will be 37 times better. But at the end of the year, if we get 1% worse every day, we'll go down to zero. So this view of, I I don't have to change everything. I don't have to make everything perfect. But in terms of like taking care of my emotional health, in terms of taking care of my spiritual health, in terms of teaching my kids personal responsibility, I just need to aim for 1% better that's a real game changer. So just understanding that it's the small little things that we do that are going to make a big difference over time. The the magic of parenting and the magic of motherhood and whether we are, you know, great moms or we're feeding them hot dogs and we're leaving them with a cousin for 3 months, bad moms, right? It's not in a couple of moments that that's decided. It's in the million little moments over time. And I remember I watched when I was a younger mom, I watched this very nice man um, on a YouTube video, and he was explaining that you only have a certain number of weeks with your kids, and you can put this number of marbles in a marble jar to be able to like take a marble out every week so you could savor the time and steward the time well and all of that. So I did it, and at the end of the week, I go, you know, did I steward my time well? Did I do this? Did I do that? And I, I was I was so earnest, and I tried so hard. And an older mom came over and she said, hey, what's the marble jar? And I, and I told her everything, like, I'm stewarding my time well. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And she goes, that sounds like a recipe to make moms feel terrible. And I said, I hate it so much. I hate it. But I thought I needed to do this to be a good mom. And she said, for some moms, that's a good idea. But for most moms, that's miserable. Like, do you think your kids disappear when they turn 18? It does not work like that at all. So I think there's there's all of these things that moms get told, this is what you should do to be good enough Good intentions, true, but the result is this kind of broken modern motherhood that we find ourselves in, and it doesn't have to be that way.
0: No, no, it doesn't. And we're so thankful for you. We're so thankful for this guide. Y'all, you do need to get it if you anything in here has perked your interest, which I'm thinking it has. One thing you said, though, before we go that I think would be really yeah. helpful for a mom listening is when you were talking about the 1%, you said- whether it's setting boundaries. And I know this mom is thinking, what would that even look like? Hmm. Can you give an example of a boundary you've set or like a conversation you've had with your boys?
1: Yeah. Here's something we're still we're still going through with the boys. The youngest is just 15. So, you know, they're they're not all grown. I have a 15 and a 16 year old, which even <laughs> imagine the Less. testosterone going on there. Yeah. Um, My boundary
0: in our family is we will speak to each other with love and respect. How does that look? What does that look like? Because I feel like I say that all the time and then it doesn't happen.
1: Well, it's most important for my husband and I because we model it. So we have to make sure that we are speaking to each other with love and respect and we speak to them with love and respect. And that's pretty much 90% of the heavy lifting.
0: Okay. But when- So if you don't, like if you don't, you speak to your husband, you're like, that was so annoying. Why did you forget to do that? We'll call each other out in front of the kids. And then our statement
1: is.
0: Yeah, well, our statement
1: is, oh, is this how we're treating each other now? Because I can Uh. respond in that way. Like, have the game rules changed? And then we kind of look at each other and chuckle. And then the boys will look at each other because you can't be a hypocrite about it. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of call each other out with humor, but I'm pretty strict about it. So if one of the boys is really rude to another one of the boys, like I've set rules of, if I hear you speaking to your brother in that tone or using using those words with them again, that's twenty four hours off electronics because that's how you really get them.
0: Oh, and hundred percent. yes, yeah,
1: and it because that's what they care about. And mm-hmm. then if it keeps going, those are the consequences. And generally you just find what they really love and take that away. But you've got to do it every time. And the thing is using that kind of harsh language, we could get into like, What's going on in their heart and those things? A lot of times they're just rude. And people out in the culture are using harsh language and they see it modeled. They hear it at school. But but my boundary is in our home, we will treat each other with love and respect. And I've explained our home needs to be a safe place in the world. So this is why we do it. And normally it only takes a few days, at least once they get to be a teenager, of losing those electronics before they go, it's not worth being a jerk. If I lose the electronics, because a lot of it, it's just habit. Yeah, That's how boys talk to each other at school. It's, they see it on
0: YouTube. Yeah. They see it other places. So it's just training that it's not allowed. Yeah. Because they will say, well, that's just how boys talk to each other, mom. You don't understand. You're a girl. And I'm like, well, I don't like it. Not in this house. <laughs> no. Yeah. And so i that's a great founder. That's a great <laughs> example. And I'm going to use it. My boys yeah. are thrilled that I talked to you today. Uh, (laughs) although the ones in Bulgarian I can't do anything about that Um, when they get back when they get back I'll be ready I'll be ready yep well Allie thank you so so much for being with us I appreciate you and um, y'all connect with Allie I will put the links on the show notes if you want to say you're Allie Worthington on Instagram right oh yeah
1: I'm Allie Worthington everywhere everywhere and also I did put something special in the audible version um, I put in a whole bonus chapter on mental load, you know, all the stuff uh-huh. that moms carry, and even scripts for how
0: to talk to your husband and other people to get the help that you need. So many great resources. Great, lot of pre order stuff. If y'all get this, I don't know if it'll still be out. Oh, yeah. You still have pre order stuff? No? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's still out. Check all that out. All right. Thanks, Allie. Thanks, friend. Okay. Thanks y'all for joining Allie and I. And I hope you check out her new book. There's a link in the show notes or the episode we did back in 2016. She is fantastic. If you didn't know about her before, definitely go follow Allie. Uh, I'm gonna pray over us in this journey to hold on to ourselves while mothering. Lord, I thank you that our confidence can come from knowing who you are, not just for ourselves, but for our kids, that we would. Walk in love, that love would be your love towards us, that that would mean us walking through this life, interacting with other moms, interacting with our kids, surrounded by your love for us, that we know our goodness doesn't come from a parenting method or a result in a kid, but that you have chosen us as your children, and that you have redeemed us through your son, that Christ's death and resurrection proves to us how loved we are by you, that our eternal life starts with belief in you, and that we can walk in that confidence. That that is the confidence we have, that we can show love to others because we remember that the sacrificial love that was shown to us, that we can Love our kids and do the things for them, not because we need them to tell us how great we are, or we need other moms to see that we're amazing, but just in response to all that you've done for us, God. I pray also that we would remember how you made us each uniquely and how we can be the moms our kids need because you've decided we're their moms. I pray, Lord, for any mom today who is feeling insecure in her mothering that you would meet her there, that she could bring that to you and that you would remind her of truth, that she could walk in her true identity and the freedom that you have for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks y'all for joining me this week. Next week, I have another favorite coming on the show, Sissy Goff. We're going to talk about how do we parent without fear, or maybe worry less. Join me back here next week. Adios. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need.